Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats, my face. Well, hello and welcome to the China Shop. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. Not going to invite anybody in? No. It's kind of cold out there where I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> what happened to yes and? <laughs> <laughs> no, but. No, uh, I won't let them inside, but I will let them listen through the window. Now, come on inside today, folks. Get your asses in here. Did we just invent a new type of improv? <laughs> no but <laughs> no but <laughs> ah, i like it oh uh, well we just improv new improv yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> blew my mind blew your mind baby come on in the shop <laughs> with us today folks sit back relax edge against the rage machine we'd like to welcome any new listeners just joining us we're here smashing our way around making our way through a complete set of fine china sharing those ever-growing strategies for getting the wins and cutting the losses. If you're new to the shop and stock trading in general, you're going to probably be a little bit confused. Check out our knowledge and resource centers on financialneptitude.com or give one of our many beginner training episodes a listen. We'll have all those links in the episode description. But the best place to be is our Discord server. Kyle and I get on there every day with a bunch of amazing, awesome people. We have a great time talking stocks and sharing stories. Also, welcome to all the new joiners. Uh, over the last month, we've had quite a new faces start to pop up. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. So glad you made it. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Everything's always better with friends. And not all my friends like to talk about stocks all the time. No, they're not on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, who am I kidding? I have no more friends. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Discord server is free. There's no paid tiers or special access areas, because uh, fuck that. Uh, yeah. Just get on there, send us a private message with uh, your mailing address, and we'll send you some smash yourself swag straight from the shop. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we have any show news to report? Uh, yes, we've just finished recording with Derek Oldensmith, a veteran trader and educator for T3. Uh, keep an eye out for that dropping on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be recording with Jared Bibler next week, uh, author of Iceland's Secret. This will be the second part, or the second time we've talked to Jared. I'm really looking forward to doing this follow-up. Yes. Uh, Jared also just won an Axiom Business Award for his book. Uh, I took a silver medal. Wow. So congratulations, Jared, for that. Congratulations. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him again. He's going to be bubbling with energy. Uh-huh. Uh, so after that, we've got Cody Willard, former CNN Fox anchor, hedge fund manager, and the leader of the SKTL cryptocurrency. Ooh. Uh, that currency is supposed to drop, uh, I think, a couple days after this episode is planned to be released, which was Space Day, I think. I think we're releasing it on Star Wars Day. Nice. Uh, and after that, we got Matthew Morosky, uh, financial advisor at Goodstein Wealth and Management. So if anybody has questions that they want to submit for any of these upcoming guests, uh, jump in the Discord or just send us a message. Absolutely. Ah, that's a big docket, man. We're getting, we're just 
getting string uh, yeah. person after person <laughs> after person. Wow. There's there's wow. quite a few more too. I'm just sorry, <laughs> sharing the next four. <laughs> I got them lined up through June. Oh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Folks, we have got an uncouth, uncommon, unclassified show for you today. Lots of market moving news, plenty of stocks on the radar, and more options than a drug dog at a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> drug dog doesn't eat the, the drugs, right? He just sniffs them out. Right, but you know, plenty of places to sniff. What does a dog do? What happens to a drug dog when it sniffs cocaine? Oh, uh, it'll ruin the, the dog's nose. Oh, okay. Doesn't get it high? No. Well, it does. It, it, it's like, I think there's drugs over here. 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 Great job to us, folks. <laughs> we love your messages and comments on Twitter and Facebook, on our Discord. If you're old school, just send us an email to the number two bulls at com. That's the number two. Uh, you can give us a phone call to 725-22-BULLS. Maybe you got a hot stock tip you want to tell us about. Maybe, maybe you just had a great trade. You got to share it with somebody. Maybe you just need to call out some assholes for knocking your job while you're out there busting your ass on some hard work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we just love it when you reach out. Speaking of which, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, our friend uh, over in Texas, uh, he, uh, he sent us a message. Uh, really, Kyle, you want to short my full-time job? <laughs> Uh, Jeremy works for the Postal Service. Uh, he says that we owe him and his coworkers an apology because we they listened to us while delivering that mail that we talk shit about. Mm-hmm. He also went on to say that Random would never short us out of a job. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking Random. <laughs> random would oh. never short him out of a job, Kyle. <laughs> well, Jeremy, uh, we, <laughs> we hear you. You're right. Yes. Uh, we apologize for talking shit about the post office. Yeah, you guys really are busting your asses, and I thank you for that. I did clarify, I can still short junk mail, so yes, I'm okay with it. I think that's a fair compromise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys for doing all that hard work, giving us all that mail. And if you want to just, you know, toss one of those ones that says, you know, that's addressed to a uh, resident, uh, you know, uh, sometimes leave the trash can by the mailbox. <laughs> That's a federal offense, Kyle, throwing out somebody else's mail. That resident could sue. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, Kyle, is it time to talk about the bet? I'm still stoked to talk about the bet. I did well this week. I'm okay with talking about the bet. I didn't do nearly well enough. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you did okay. <laughs> did you make money this week? No, but I have a lot to lose. Well, you can go first then. Okay, I was HP. I went long on HPQ. It uh, it just consolidated and ranged all week. It opened at thirty eight dollars forty four cents, closed at thirty seven forty seven. So didn't come close to my stop. Oh, maybe a dollar away. Anyway, mm-hmm. brought my bet total from six thirty four twenty five down to six eighteen twenty five. Six eighteen twenty five. We're getting closer. Yeah, and I was eyeing puts on HPQ all week, but I kind of was holding off because I didn't want you to think I was being spiteful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. It's got a really big gap. Uh, I wanted it to try to fill. It looked like it was starting to on Thursday. I missed my entry on Wednesday. Just didn't quite tick up high enough to get me filled. You love those gaps, and I see the gap, but. I love the gaps once they start getting filled. And I would only be playing it to fill that gap. Once it's out of that gap, then I want to be long. Yeah, 35 32. Mm hmm. Uh, I went short on Twitter, which uh, started the week at 45 75. Then uh, 
Elon tried to join the board and bought a bunch of shares. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Which actually kind of helped me out a little bit for the bet, at least. It didn't help me out from actual trading, but we'll get to that uh, when we get to the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, so it hit uh, 48. As you remember, I went half of my position at open on Monday, and the other half is if it hit 48. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tagged that on Thursday and finished the week at 45.08. So that took my total from 468.31. Up to 485.98. Almost to break even. Yeah, I'm not sweating it. No, you shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> Brandon's not putting up much of a fight either. It went with MEOH, opened the week at 54 even, closed at 5509. Uh, so Random's sitting at $480.06. Yep, nice, comfortable, 120 some dollar lead on you, $140 lead on both of you. Yeah. Yeah, I need to make $50 a week average, I think, the next two weeks. And then you need to continue losing 25 a week to have a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Ah, time for some news. Dow drops deep on moving inflation, COVID frustration, war damnation. We're just bringing you the fucking news. You gotta recognize the game if you don't want to lose. We're just skip-de-tools trading information. Yeah, we are. Rioters raiding, insider trading, taxes mm. are raising, bills mm-hmm. on the hill. We got a crypto mill. No, they ain't growing weed. When the Fed speaks today, it's some shit we don't need. Sing it, man. Tuples trading information. What? Tuples trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Tuples trading information. That is accurate. Very accurate. What information? True. What? All right. How are we going to break this fucking thing down? Um, obviously the biggest, uh, story I think of the week was inflation CPI results coming out. Yep. All right. So CPI, uh, for March came out at 8.5% in March from a year earlier. Sorry. Wait a minute. 8.5% increase from a year ago. Uh, the inflation was above the consensus analyst expectation of 8.4. And it's also the highest level since 1981. Wow. <laughs> the article says the last time inflation was this high, Blondie was at top of the music charts and Raiders of the Lost Ark was dominating the box office. Wow. <laughs> this is the highest it's ever been in our life, in my lifetime. Yes, exactly. Uh, the labor department said that excluding the volatile food and energy prices, the, C- the CPI is, uh, a 6.5% increase in March, which was in line. Wow. Um, despite all that, though, what was crazy is how the markets reacted to that report. It seemed like there was a pretty big bullish reaction to start with before kind of cooling off throughout the rest of the week. Uh, and the uh, I guess the thought is that people are thinking that the peak is in. The peak is in, like we've already seen it? The peak inflation, yeah. Oh, oh, the, the inflation, yeah. Near it or yeah. is likely to subside, subside going forward. Yeah, on a monthly basis, the core inflation, the part that includes excludes the food and energy prices, rose 0.3% in March from February, uh, which uh, MSN is saying uh, indicates consumer prices are beginning to cool off. Interesting. Okay, well, they're not the only ones talking about uh, inflation may have peaked. Literally, mm-hmm. that's uh, over on Axios. There's an article uh, titled, Why Inflation May Have Already Peaked. <laughs> okay. That's it's saying... That- if the number's gotten as high as it's going to get, it, it, basing this off a Bank of America analyst mm-hmm. on Tuesday, their counterparts at Capital Economics concurred, saying that the 8.5% figure would mark the peak for the series. Uh-huh. Bank of America is never wrong, right? Right. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't particularly understand like why. Like that doesn't seem to be a reasonable argument to me. Yeah. What is there? Like why? Like nothing's really been done yet to combat inflation. Like we just finally had our first rate hikes, and even that was less than what uh, you know the Fed even wanted to do. You still got energy concerns going on with you know the oil. Yeah, and and I guess that that's the only that's the only argument is the the price of oil is down. Yeah, but the price of oil is only down because strategic reserves across the world are getting released, right? Yeah, we we've, we've definitely <laughs> been talking about that. That's a band aid. That's not a, that's not a fix. Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at crude oil futures. I know Robert on the Discord does those, but if I pull them up. They're they're down off the peak, but I don't know. I'm not convinced that they're dropping. Right. Um, plus, I mean, well, that kind of ties into the other story I have about Putin warning Europe that switching from Russian oil would be painful because that's kind of what that's the reason why all these reserves have been released is because we're trying to get away from Russian oil imports. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Putin on Thursday was warning Europe that ditching Russian oil imports would be, quote, very painful. And he also accused unfriendly countries of delaying payments for oil and gas purchases. Mm. Uh, Rus- Putin said that trying to replace Russians, Russia's oil supply will inevitably affect the entire global economy. So he's he's straight up saying, like, if you remove our oil from the supply demand chain, you're done. Like it's you yeah, can't, it's, you can't take that pain, right? That sounds like a person who's. <laughs> that doesn't sound like he's arguing in a position of strength. No, no, it doesn't. But I don't think he's wrong. No, I don't disagree with that. But the question is, are the people willing to pay that price to isolate Russia for what they did? Yeah, good question. I kind of feel like people are right. How I mean, how expensive is how expensive do we think oil can possibly get without Russia involved? And the volume in oil futures is low. I'm not going to try to speculate on prices like that. I just know that there's uh, there's a lot of untapped potential, at least in the U.S., that I think if necessary... We could we could ramp up production. I mean, Biden already kind of addressed that. Yeah, there's 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 room to increase production here. I'm sure there's other places that can supply more if they wanted to. And then plus, there's also the efforts to push away from oil in general. It's true, and we can accelerate those. In fact, yeah, we'll talk about that. Later. In fact, that's actually the biggest selling point of trying to get out of Russian oil, wouldn't it? Like that's how you convince the public, right? I think so. Make a push for more greener energy. That's what everybody wants. If that's the path that this is all pushing towards, people will be much more happy to eat that cost now. It's true. It's true. It would be worth it. Mm-hmm. It'd be going to be cheaper now than in the future. Right. And then this gives us a moral incentive on, on top of environmentalism. It's also like, fuck you, Russia. Right. Speaking of fuck you, Russia, did you see they defaulted on their uh, <laughs> on their foreign debt? Oh, they, they did default? It, it went ahead and happened? Yep. It happened. Oh, fuck you, Russia. <laughs> it was a technicality, like we said before. They have dollars. They just can't access them. So they did pay their debt or they attempted to pay their debt, but they paid it in rubles, not in dollars. That's the reason for the default. Well, I mean, they could, uh, no matter what price the rubles, ruble is, they can always print more. Uh, right. <laughs> so according to the S&P, it's, called, it's considered a selective default because they defaulted on a specific obligation. And that's this obligation was supposed to be paid in dollars mm. but because they paid it in rubles. They defaulted on this obligation, but not their entire debt. But, you know, dominoes. It's the first one. Right? At some point, you got to figure Putin's going to consider weaponizing Russian oil and just saying, like, well, you're not going to get anything anyhow. Like, if you're not playing with us, we're not playing with you. 
Is there enough of a market for the rest of their oil, though? I mean, because... Whatever oil they are selling, I don't know. How much do you think North Korea is buying? <laughs> like China's probably their biggest partner already, but do you think China's going to be able to take more? Right, they're already maxed out what they can afford to get. And then other countries that would be you know, friendly with them, like Venezuela, who already is a major producer in their own right. India gets a ton. Yeah. Well, they got some big markets, but I just don't see them absorbing more. Yeah. Be kind of a scorched earth. I'm just kind of painting that picture, like back to in- inflation. Like, mm, yeah. not, like we got more to consider than just Russia and oil. Mm-hmm. There was a story over on CNBC about the, the new lockdowns in China, their new wave of COVID. Mm. Bernstein analysts have said that that's a greater risk for inflation than it was in 2020. Really? Yes, because the, the share of China's exports has risen globally higher and higher like uh-huh. more and more countries are buying the shit made in china right uh, and when china locks down the whole uh, supply chain locks down i see yeah because because of how quickly they were able to control the initial outbreak put in quotes control right they were able to be relied on to fill that gap as other countries bought their own uh, issues with the covid right we can't open up our manufacturing center but the one in china is open so we'll get it from there yeah so we'll get it from there right but now everyone's relying on them for for yeah. stuff that wasn't being produced at home if those shut down yeah there's that could really affect the supply chain again especially like as we go to things like electric cars to try and get away from that russian oil dependence right uh more and more of those vehicles are being made in china the parts mm-hmm. for those vehicles are being made in china the number of of Korean and Japanese automakers had their production disruptions in 2020 when Wuhan locked down. Mm-hmm. Like it's these these auto related supply chains are so China dependent mm-hmm. that it, yeah it's it's gonna it's gonna muck muck up the whole supply chain and the production chain and that's gonna hurt. Ah oh, man, I don't see China wanting to give up that new reliance on them though. They'll do whatever they can to fight that. You would think, sure, like they did the first time, and they—that's they, why the lockdowns are so severe and why it's so disruptive to the supply chain. Because in China, when they do a COVID lockdown, it's like you do not leave your fucking house. <laughs> Nobody, you're not going to the factory, you're not going to the bank, you're staying the fuck home and not opening that door. And we're going to do this for three weeks. And then we'll start up again all at once because all the sick people will know who they are. <laughs> we'll be able to smell them through the doors. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're all dead. No, I don't. I don't it's pure, purely conjecture. I'm sure some you, of them. You can cut this if you want, but I heard a Jimmy Carr joke the other day that was hilarious. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, he asked the crowd, do you think we overreacted to, the, to COVID-19? Uh, everyone in the crowd says, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the survivors think so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wherever you stand on the whole thing that's a good joke (laughs) that's a funny joke okay yeah so i'm super bearish these days i'm sorry i don't see anything on the horizon that's like these these tides are moving out the tide is not moving in all right what else you got for us well to continue the full bear attack uh (laughs) european central bank may bring forward the end to its bond buying as inflation spirals is the headline on a, uh, another CNBC mm-hmm. story I came across. Um, so China was still still injecting stimulus then? Is that the way to read that? Yes, the exactly. The European Central Bank is still currently stimulating its economy with uh, the bond buying that we mm-hmm. stopped at the end of last year. 
Or okay. should we started tapering the end of last year? They're still doing it. But uh, now they're talking about following the same course that we've gone down, stopping the purchases and raising in interest rates. So <laughs> things are looking peachy keen in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there any good news? Kathy Wood is a, still a bull. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she just recently spoke at uh, the Exchange Conference in Miami Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was, when responding to a question about people who bet against her, including the Tuttle Capital Short Innovation ETF Fund, a $400 million <laughs> ETF that just shorts whatever she's long. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. S-A-R-K, short arc. Is They've it's, probably <laughs> done really well since November. Yeah, yeah, I think they're doing pretty good. I'm going to quote her response to that question. I found the short ETF really interesting. For hedging purposes, I can see it, she said. But betting against American innovation is going to be a very bad bet. If we're right, then they're going to have to cover their shorts, leading to more demand for our stocks. It's great. I mean, she's not wrong. Right. She's she's not. What what she's saying is, and go, went on through the talk, uh, uh, I'll just keep reading her quotes because yeah, it's ahead. easier to just quote her. Uh, As our stocks have come down, the fundamentals, for the most part, have not deteriorated. If anything, our conviction has increased. Mm-hmm. In the private markets, we are seeing innovation treated very differently. I think the private markets understand that over the next eight to 10 years, truly disruptive, innovative is going to move up in the public markets from 10 trillion in market cap today to 210 trillion in 2030, she explained. I was actually looking at her stock chart, uh, the at least RK chart uh, this morning, showed up on a Finviz screener ahead for uh, ascending triangles. I think that's what I was looking at. I'm not sure why that one popped up on there because it really looks more like I, if it can hold support where it's at right now, it may have found a bottom. Yeah, it's a head and shoulders if, if it holds support here. I yeah, should say yep. inverse head and shoulders. But that just all goes to, I guess, the point I was trying to, or the thought that was in my head was like, both people can make money with the same stock basket. <laughs> just because yeah. they're short now doesn't mean they're going to be short forever. Or that it'll work forever. <laughs> right. And being short long term, of course, is a terrible idea. And that's why there's no permanent shorts out there. Wood, Kathy Wood also pointed out uh, blockchain.com's valuation has tripled over the past year. Mm hmm. From uh, like five billion, five point two billion to four, fourteen billion. Yet the market value of Coinbase, one of Ark's top holdings, declined forty percent in the same period. Mm-hmm. So, it, to quote her, it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does make sense. It's just cyclical. It's cyclical. Uh, eventually, they will move in in concert, and she's saying Coinbase's valuation will rise up to match blockchains, not mm-hmm. the other way around. Is what I'm 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 interpreting that as. Right. Well, that's weird that Kathy Woods has now suddenly become the only bull in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bulls in the shop. Speaking of bulls in the shop. I, yeah, I don't know. What what are you saying? Oh, segue. What are you getting at? What's a segue? <laughs> hey, you know who you know who's really awesome at segues? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Two Bulls in a China Shop is proudly brought to you by Sue Pullen at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender. Sue Pullen is a certified mortgage advisor who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. She's licensed in 27 states, so reach out and see what Sue can do for you. Best way to do so is just give her a call, 520-977-7904. You can also send her an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. 
Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number 2289. Sue Pullen has an MLS number 206048. That email again is spullen at fairwaymc.com and that phone number 520-977-7904. And Two Bulls in a China Shop is also proud to be affiliated with Trade Pro Academy. Trade Pro Academy is the educational platform that offers institutional trader development programs to new and experienced independent traders. Translation, learn to trade like those big institutions that we always talk about. Uh, they've got a great staff of highly knowledgeable and successful traders, and there's no better place that we found to learn everything you need to know to be a successful trader. Find them online at tradeproacademy.com, or you can just use our affiliate link in the episode description. Doesn't matter, does? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does a little bit. We would prefer the, the affiliate link. Yeah, yeah, use our link. Because <laughs> that's, that's how to support the show and improve your own knowledge and skills. Yeah, I need to get that affiliate link uh, on my Twitch streaming. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm always like, if if you want to learn technical analysis, go to Trade Pro. I'm not I'm not here to teach technical analysis. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just going to be using it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Orderflow Labs. Um, yeah. What about them? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Orderflow Labs. Awesome guys. Flair and Leo. They were kind enough to share their toolkit for trading futures on Sierra Charts with us. And let me tell you, they have freely really amazing custom studies for structure and execution buy sell zones exhaustion absorption detectors reconstructed tape dominator zones liquidity zones i mean pivots just so much useful stuff uh they got something for everybody they're constantly adding and testing new studies and they just offer what i believe is the most amazing uh support customer support experience with their discord server they're constantly making videos and having live events and interacting with uh, with all the users. They're way more friendly than Sierra Charts customer service. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they yeah they use Sierra <laughs> Charts, so they'll be able to help you, too. <laughs> Probably <Yes>. better. <laughs> so I have support for NinjaTrader, too. Yeah, they moved to NinjaTrader. Yeah. If you're trading futures, as, as I was about to say, if, if you are trading futures, whether it's Sierra Charts or NinjaTrader, you got to check them out at orderflowlabs.com. They got the custom studies that you need. All right. Time for some stocks? Yeah, let's talk about some stocks. Now it's talk about stocks time. Looking for setups and still not advice. Big moves, fresh news, and earnings. All that we're saying is still not advice. Stocks time. Please don't sue us. All right. Uh, I think the first story I want to talk about was I heard there's some more Twitter shit that happened. Oh, yeah. I know. You, yeah, you were excited to talk about this because I'm the one who read the story and you, you don't know anything about it. The headline is Twitter board adopts poison pill after Musk's $43 billion bid to buy the company. <laughs> what is the poison pill? So the board voted unanimously to adopt a plan that's called a limited duration shareholder rights plan. Mm-hmm. That's that's what a poison pill is. So basically, if anybody, Musk or otherwise, comes in and starts buying a significant share of the company, if it's if it gets to that threshold, existing shareholders mm-hmm. are offered additional shares at a discounted rate to dilute the person attempting to take oh. over the company. So that is already in response to his offer to buy the company for $54 and 20 cents a share. Yes. So they've actually rejected the offer. Then am I correct in interpreting it that way? Not necessarily because this could be just a move from the company 
to to basically put up that wall of saying like you can't just have us at our going rate Mm -hmm. he now has to negotiate with the board for a purchase price like they can it doesn't rule out negotiations okay but it does rule out you can't just do it without our say so it it just retains the power to the board yeah the the press release said that this just prevents anybody from gaining control through open market accumulation yeah without paying all the shareholders appropriate control premium right if he's gonna buy twitter then everybody who owns shares should be they want to sell them for i don't know sixty dollars (laughs) bob all right okay well i mean i don't know if you read his actual proposal or the letter that he sent them but there's kind of a, a not so thinly veiled threat to tank the company and i think that was like the big takeaway from that for me really was at the very end of his letter, he said that he would have to reconsider his position as a shareholder if his offer is rejected. Oh, like I have enough where I can tank the price. I have 10% of your company. Yeah. If you don't take this offer, I'm going to flood the market with these shares all at once. Oh my God. You imagine if 10% of the shares just went on a market order? That's that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like how many shares are of Twitter are there market cap. It's a $36 billion company. He owns 10, he has 3.6 billion, just dump 10% of them on the market sell side. Yeah. Yeah. That would crater this stock and it would hit all those, like every stop loss would be hit. Every single board member would be hurt. Dunk Twitter under $20. That looks to me like what he's actually threatening. Yeah. And then if you want to be, if you want to throw on some even more tinfoil hat. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Remember that uh, that kid who was tracking uh, uh, Musk's a plane with regular tweet updates of where he's flying to. Musk tried to buy him out for like you know pretty decent sum. I think it was even like probably enough to even buy like a, a new Tesla. No, Musk offered him five thousand dollars. Oh, it was only five thousand. Okay, the kid came back with more. The kid came back with fifty thousand, but hasn't gotten it. Must said no to that. He would rather buy Twitter to shut the kid down. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the tinfoil hat theory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's definitely, definitely more appealing of like the rich movie villain. This kid won't stop tracking me. I'll buy the company and shut it down. He wants 50 grand. Fuck him. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I could see that. Actually, that means to me, I mean, I would probably do that if I was a billionaire. Like, I can this guy five grand. Fuck him. I'll buy the company and shut it down. When you're the richest (laughs) man in the world. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's the principle. (laughs) I'm rich. I have the power. You have none. Yeah. Oh, well, didn't his girlfriend just leave him? Maybe he is like on a vindictive state. (laughs) I need to feel like I have control over things. I don't know. Maybe. I do have two that I wanted to mention, and then you have a new segment you wanted to unveil. So which order do you want to do that in? We keep talking about stocks. All right, then uh, let's pull up uh, COP Chevron real quick. Okay. Oh, sorry, not Chevron, ConocoPhillips. Well, it's energy, so I already like it. Yes, and I knew that you were. <laughs> okay, yeah. Pull, I was looking through the FinViz screeners, and this was on a nice upward channel since basically uh, December of 2021. Where it's sitting now, it's kind of at the base of that channel, uh, which would yeah, it's it's been riding the the twenty EMA. I'm looking at it at a range chart. Uh, I've got it on the daily, and it's uh, it's been riding the thirty four fifty cloud really nicely. So yeah, it's kind of uh, bouncing around a little bit above that. It it recently made a new high on the twenty fifth of March, and kind of looks like it might be gearing up to start pushing up to the upper end of that channel again. 
mm-hmm. which would put it somewhere around a 110 price target, I would give it, if you're just going to extrapolate the, the channel. Oh, yeah. Uh, holding support at 98 most recently. Uh, that would be my my point to watch if I was going to put a stop loss on this. I think I'd say 98 would be my cut it. But I would look to try to play this for a, a push back up uh, into new all, new 52-week highs, at least. I don't know if this is all time. It might be. I believe it is. It is. Oh, yeah, it is. The fucking chart looks really bullish on the weekly, but volume has been dropping off the last few weeks. So volume's been dropping off. You throw it on the weekly, look at the way those candles have those super long tails. Yeah. Every time it dips down, it's just getting bought up. Uh, yeah, I don't see any reason to not be bullish on this. Yeah. In fact, that, that $98 level, which I think is from the volume profile. It was for the volume profile on the weekly. I may even drop that down to ninety six half. Be my stop. I've got I've got ninety six eighty seven. Mm-hmm. But now that we've had a couple of weeks since I drawn it, I would probably even put it up a little higher at ninety eight. I yeah. I think I think <laughs> I think I'd make a good bet pick, huh? I, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the other stock I wanted to look at uh, was I think it was Nike. We've talked about Nike quite a bit. Yeah. Nike had been running up before, uh, let's see, back at the end of the year, beginning of the new year, where it gapped down and then kind of has been on a bit of a downtrend since then. Um, the On the daily, if you look at Friday, you'll see double the volume, or not Friday, so if you look at the Thursday, the 14th, you'll see double the volume came in and just a big green boner candle. Uh, it's coming, it pushed it right up to a uh, resistance that I have at 135, but I'll be watching that 135 mark. So I think if we pop that, then we'll be pushing up uh, near the 140s for too long. I've been looking at more charts with ranges. I definitely, but but I mean, 100% agree, 140 is a key level. I think 135 is the one though here that this needs to, this needs to break. And then if it can push that 140, then fuck, I can go even higher than that. Um, something happened recently. I'm thinking it was that tweezer top, or I guess tweezer bottom uh, that we had on the 11th and 12th. Um, oh, of April. I, I'm, I'm just looking at the range chart. So yeah, I see the, the 11th is when it found its bottom. Yeah. The 11th and 12th uh, formed a new, a higher low. So now we just need to see if we can print a higher high. Uh, if it does pop that 135 though, I think I might look at sizing up some calls for a push to 140. The thing that's got me doing range charts on these equities is I find the volume, the story of the volume is easier to read. I liked it when I was using range charts just to clean it up and make rotations and stuff look a lot cleaner. Oh, it absolutely does a good job of that. Because I think, yeah, if you throw it on like a dollar range, then you can really see where the stuff, it makes the structure look just much more pronounced and take some of the chop out of it. And if I'm looking just like trading futures, if I'm looking at the mega chat, mega caps chart, mm-hmm. the, the volume on the range bars, like the, the volume spikes are more clear. It's easier to see which side is coming in. Ah, oh, that makes sense. The pushes, there's a lot more bars that are above average is what I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot more bars below average, so it it really stands out. And Nike is is looking bullish to me on that range chart. Yes, it's looking bullish, but it's got a clear one thirty five first. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think it's on its like, easily on its way. All right, Dan, let's uh, let's talk about your new segment. Okay, I don't have a name or a song for it yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> right. Part of pushing myself to do the, the kind of options challenge, work a thousand dollars with all proper principles and, and trading rules. I've been every day religiously kind of taking the temperature of the market mm-hmm. through through several steps, and I wanted to to take some time in the episode 
to to kind of go over that real quick just to update people because two weeks in a row it's worked the edge has worked right right um obviously we had two days this week i think tuesday and wednesday where the market was looking bearish but we had bullish days definitely big bullish moves i forget which one of those days is one of them but for the most part it works anyway. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at, I've got three sectors for looking at the bull side and three sectors looking at the bear side, the defensive sectors. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at uh, the, the combination of tech communications and consumer cyclicals, we're looking at when that's still all doing really well, we're looking bullish. So I've got these charts on trading view and, and I'll start sharing them on the, the discord at the end of the week. Um, as part of the update, but you know, I, I do every morning get on there and share what the edge is telling me. If we look at the uh, the bullish sectors combined, their chart is in a bearish leg that it's if it's it's if tried to fight for a higher high and it didn't make it, and mm -hmm. now it's it's on its way down to a lower low. Hmm. And if we look at the defensive side, uh, healthcare, energy, and consumer defensive, we're just in a strong bull trend. Really. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the weekly on both of them right now. We just had a red week on the, the bear side, but the volume of it was, was really low. Mm -hmm. And we just had a red week on the bull side, uh, second red week in a row. Volume is falling down on that, but we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Uh, so the sectors, if I'm looking at those two charts, I'm saying I'm definitely leaning towards the bears. Then the other two things I look at and I'm watching are uh, the mega caps. I've got a, uh, I upgraded my trading view. I think, I think you're about to do the same thing to be able to see intraday data mm, on, the, right. on, these, on these special charts. So the mega caps are Tesla, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, MSFT, Google, and NVIDIA. When I, when I throw that on a range chart, there is no way to interpret this anything other than bearish. <laughs> right. Now I do have to throw it on a 2800 range chart to get some meaningful data because you know it's like in the seven thousands when you combine all those stock tickers but uh ever since it peaked i should say its most recent high or april 5th it had like a double top as it was trying to turn around and get back to its peak from november 2021 yeah it's not doing good <laughs> we're making lower lows we're making lower highs volume is picking up on the sell side of the mega caps so forecast yeah i'm i'm bearish all this technical analysis and uh, you throw the mcclellan op oscillator on there it's a oscillator to measure inflows and outflows and yeah it's just bearish daily weekly and monthly we're seeing outflows in the s p 500 well there you have it there you have it so, so i know i will be trading the bearish bias this this week so at least until you start seeing some change in those indicators or those sectors yes then, then, then that will be evidence for rotation, right? And it, yeah, then that doesn't mean I'm only buying puts on stocks. I mean, I am doing it on the indices. But you know, like I said, the the healthcare, the consumer dispensive, and the energy sectors are all hot right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're a bull, that's a great place to look. All right, um, hit some earnings real quick. Then move on to crypto. Let's do it. All right, on the 18th, we've got Bank of America and Charles Schwab, uh, two of the big bank names. I think J.P. Morgan already had theirs last week and did not fare so well. There'll be a lot of eyes on these two to see. Like these are kind of the canaries of the uh, the earnings sessions or seasons. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, on the 19th, we've got Johnson & Johnson and Netflix. Uh, then we got Tesla on the 20th, uh, followed by Procter & Gamble, and then uh, AT&T on the 21st. That's exciting. But didn't AT&T just have something big happen? Uh, they split off their, um, I think it was DirecTV. I can't remember what the name of the actual company was they spun off. But yeah, I was looking at it on Wednesday or Thursday and noticed that it lost like $7 in value. Couldn't figure out why. I had to go look through my holdings to see that they had actually split off uh, the shares of AT&T. Like, so for every so many shares of AT&T, you got shares in like Warner Discovery or whatever the hell it it actually is uh, yeah so anyway let's uh let's do some crypto and get moving because we've uh we've already got a lot of content already <laughs> yeah we do So first, I'll do this one real quick because we're running out of time. But uh, Jack Dorsey's first tweet, uh, the NFT, Mm -hmm. somebody named uh, Sina Estavi. He bought the first tweet as an NFT for $2.9 million last year. Well, last week, he tried to list it for sale again. He was asking for $48 million. Do you know what the top bid was? A million dollars? $280. (laughs) You drive that NFT off the lot, it just (laughs) loses value. Well, I think that's just more proof that whatever Jack Dorsey says about crypto is just worthless. Good thing we're going to start making NFTs, right? Clearly, that's where the money is. I know. We're getting on the, well, the train is hot. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. you have any real stories? Yeah. The CEO of Binance uh, came out and talked a lot about regulations at a blockchain summit in France. Mm-hmm. And he's very positive in saying that the tide is turning, regulation across the world is warming up to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Really? Yeah. Haven't we just been reading stories about companies trying to put ridiculous regulations in place that they're having to fight back against? Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he said the discussions around crypto have shifted from negative to positive. That is, I can see that. We did uh, have that story about Janet Yellen, who seems to have changed her tune. It's true. It's true. One thing that was in the article listed as a positive that I did not take as a positive, I guess the MC for the event made reference to the crypto slang term uh, WAGMI, W-A-G-M-I, which stands for we're all going to make it. Oh, oh. Which if that implies that you feel like you're not. Yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're all going to make it. That's what you say on a sinking ship to calm the children. <laughs> Yeah, that's a hope message, not a... uh... (laughs) (laughs) We're all going to make it out of this. Don't you worry. They'll remember the Donner Party as the brave souls who lasted all winter. (laughs) Nothing else. (laughs) We're all going to make it. Okay. Zhao, the the Binance CEO, Mm -hmm. did in in his speech say, to be honest, I feel like we did kind of make it. That's a little better. That's that's a rallying cry. We made it is better than we're going to make it. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
but to the to the the nuts and bolts of the story, it looks like because of Brexit, the UK government has announced it's going to bring stable coins into the local payments regime. Mm-hmm. And they've also asked the Royal Mint to start making NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more of them. But they're thinking that uh, because of Brexit, they they've got to what do they do? They rebuild Brussels in London. Or do they try and do become like a Singapore of the West and, and try and get in on innovation was part of his quote. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he feels like uh, the UK is really warming up to cryptocurrencies. Well, the Arthur Breitman, the co-founder of Tezos, his quote on there, I think, is a more accurate take of, of regulators' feelings towards crypto. She said that they're starting to take it seriously, but they're not necessarily getting like a warm and fuzzy feeling about it. Right. They're like, we have to deal with this. Yeah. But I mean, like, even if you look at like Janet Yellen's comments, like instead of saying it was a terrible thing and like the negative statement, she was just more ambivalent than anything else. And I think that's more of the attitude that you're starting to see. Like, it's here to stay. Let's work with it. Not this is a great thing or this is a terrible thing. It's just more of a this is a thing. Let's figure out how to use it and regulate it. Yeah. And apparently... Uh, Zhao from Binance said that France is very progressive and welcoming towards crypto. Are they now? They're going to set up a regional headquarters in Paris. Mm. Nothing to do with (laughs) positive relationships with the politicians. (laughs) Uh, No, it has everything to do with it. And the the story went on to bring up that the U.S. is not doing so hot and might be falling behind. Um, I guess the, the, the... CEO of Ripple, mm-hmm. remember talking about Ripple, Brad Garlinghouse re- recounts how the SEC hit them with uh, their token should have been considered a security. Oh. Uh, and he said that they illegally sold over a billion dollars worth of it. All right, then. So <laughs> may- maybe maybe U.S. is falling behind. Sounds sounds like Britain is doing it out of necessity. Right. And and who knows why France is doing it. I I don't understand France. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have French listeners. Maybe they could tell us. Yes. Remember, Dan, don't don't short France. <laughs> don't short France. I'm shorting France. <laughs> You're going long in crypto. I'm shorting you. No. <laughs> anyway, so it does it does look like at the very least we can say that crypto companies are choosing where they're going to be located and they are not going to be in the US. <laughs> the big boys. Right. Let's just put it let's just put it that way. Well, I think wherever they want to go is going to be where they can get cheap energy. I think that's all that really matters to the crypto industry. Well, that and, you know, not being fined for just doing business like Ripple. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> or accused of growing pot <laughs> and drug stings. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you referenced the song. <laughs> All right, Dan. Draw motherfucker. Ah, double <laughs> shot. We're both dead. Episode's yeah. over. Ouch. Done. <laughs> All right. Uh, I can I can start us off, and, and right. I'll try try to keep it pretty brief. Uh, I had a pretty yeah. straightforward week. My good was recovering from a bad Wednesday. Mm, yeah. I I mean I had all the classic hallmarks of of making mistakes and being down on myself for it. I was just really depressed. I had my plan. If I'd followed my plan, I would have made money and I lost money on the day because I failed the plan. I was really depressed about it. And so what I did was I actually recorded a video of Evening Dan talking to Morning Dan. Ah, that's right. And it 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 actually I felt like it did the trick. I had an amazing day Thursday. I had a really good Thursday too. Yeah. Basically, basically just telling myself like, Hey, wouldn't it feel good to follow the plan? 
Mm-hmm. Remember, like if you follow the plan and it fails, it's not your fault. You don't even have to feel bad about it. Right. You'll feel good about having followed the plan. Remember that. Yes. And Thursday, I followed the plan. What was your good? Uh, continuing my education mm. is what I wrote down on here. I've been uh, trying to read through the books. Uh, we talked a little bit on the Discord. Uh, I think we shared it, but trying to get a monthly recurring podcast going with the boys of Orderflow Labs, where I basically have it as like uh, learning to trade futures with them. So for that first episode, what I'm planning on doing is reading all the books that they'd recommended to us. So I've been going through reminiscences of a stock operator. Reminiscences? <laughs> Reminiscences, I, that's the worst title of a book. Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. So I've been reading through that. Um, I also took a step back to also from Futures. I figured I need to go back onto to Sim until we at least get that first episode recorded and figure out what their plan is going to be going to be for us going forward. Yeah. Part of that is I think I've committed on the Discord to doing another week-long observation period of doing zoning, like a zoning challenge. So if there's anybody out there listening who wants to kind of jump in on that uh, at 8 a.m. Eastern, we'll be meeting on the Discord channel. Uh, the voice channel, me and Joel, I think is also committed to doing it with me. Reviewing our levels for the morning, coming up with like a trading plan. Not that we're actually going to trade it. We're just going to come up with levels that we're going to observe. Uh, and then uh, if we can, I want to do a recap in the afternoon of like what we all observed uh, when the price did interact. Try to do like a proper zoning challenge where I'm actually taking notes and watching for specific interactions. And then also doing it with somebody else to try to learn and see if like the two of us together, you know, can come up with more than just one of us alone. Yeah. What was your bad? Let myself get so down about failing the plan. Being so emotionally attached to the success of my trades was my bad. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing I was going through last week. Yeah. I'm happy that you managed to get out of it much quicker than I did. <laughs> well, that's why it was my good. I actually was like, sat down and... I think it's a great. And and yeah, I, I, I thought long and hard, like, what is happening? Why am I in such a bad place? And what can I immediately do to get the fuck out of that bad place? Mm-hmm. Uh, my bad was the Twitter puts that I purchased uh, on, I think, Wednesday. Mm. Um, I bought them before my level break. I didn't wait for my level to break. I thought I was seeing multiple retests, and it was basically inevitable. But then right after that, that's when Twitter sent his, uh, or Musk sent out his offer to buy out Twitter like the next morning. So I was immediately stopped out. But if I had waited for either the break of that level or the retest of 48, I would have really cleaned up. So patience, patience, patience. It's so critical. You Mm -hmm. just got to wait for the big level. Uh, Do you have an ugly? That is exactly my ugly. Um, I considered my last trade I made on Thursday to be my ugly. My only loss for the day. Mm-hmm. We were on the Discord, we were chatting, and I'd had two wins in a row, and I think Robert was on the channel, and we were all looking at it, and I saw the Russell 2000 fail its rally, mm-hmm. and was like, that's leading it, enter here, instead of doing what had been successful twice already that day, right? waiting for the, the S&P futures to, to tag the level from, from below. Mm-hmm. If I'd done that, if I'd done the plan, it would have been it would have been three wins in a row on Thursday, right? But I didn't do the plan, and uh, because I, I was engaged in conversation, I wasn't even I was only using half my brain. You know, I wasn't focused on it. Like I was all cavalier and cocky in my in my head. You know, I didn't take a set score. That's exactly what it is. It's that overconfidence. That's so so like I should have known better. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, uh, following the risk manager's plan, it didn't impact my account in in a in a huge way. 
Right. But it would have been nice to have that that other win because maybe 20 minutes later the the S&P hit that level and it would and it just dropped right off of it. Like it didn't even <laughs> pop above it. Yep. It's like a, it was like a fucking perfect V into it. I was like, God damn yeah. it. it! Would have been the biggest trade of the day. Oh man, what was what was your ugly? I had a mix-up trade. I was trying to purchase by calls, I believe, and I had previously traded PayPal that morning. So when I went to go punch in the or to pull up the options chain on the active trader, it didn't. Oh shit! I had the spy chart. I was looking at, I click the arrow and then I go to the options chain, but for some reason it still loaded up the PayPal options. Right. Oh, fuck. So when I bought in what I thought I was getting my calls at $1.05, I was getting PayPal calls and I ended up having a trade in a, that I really didn't want to have. I was able to actually exit it for a 10% gain, but that's just pure luck. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh. And wow. I would have made a lot more, I think, on those spy calls. Yeah. That one is painful. That's just getting used to uh, TD Ameritrade's, or Thinkorswim, I mean. I think that's just getting used to their interface. I've done several times. I've I've messed up a good, what could have been a good trade. Like, I'll be trying to trade one contract, but I accidentally have it on the, the bracket for two. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice I didn't change it. And I'll hit buy market. And it'll be like, oh, you can't buy market. This doesn't, the math doesn't add up here. It's like, fucking, oh. <laughs> and by the time I fix it, it's like already, the move's already started. It's too, way too late. At least you don't buy it without like stops or something. Like that's the other thing I have to watch for is make sure that it actually puts my brackets in there because it defaults to single as soon as you place the first one. I've made that mistake too. Yep. <laughs> Luckily, flatten is right next to it. Yeah, <laughs> flatten, that's true. Flatten. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we uh, make a bet? Let's make Let's a make bet. A bet. Uh, I go first. You're 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 not gonna have a a, a clue what I'm gonna pick from from now on. By the way, <laughs> I am gonna pick MRK Merck and Company. Merck, uh, not Merkin. That's Merck. Merck, not Merkin. Merck. Yeah, I really like how it's looking at the range chart. Got a got a level at uh, 85. That was big level that just broke and retested it, and it's coming up off the retest. Hmm. Uh, on thir Thursday, and up off the retest, we got a higher high, higher low, higher high. I mean, it's come down off that, but uh, yeah, I think look at all the stocks I looked through. I was like, this is the one most likely to start its rally on Monday. All right, uh, you have any stops or anything with that? Yes, I'm gonna actually have a stop 83.75. Okay, take profit. Uh, my take profit is gonna be. Half at 90 and move the stop to break even too soon. No, I'll take half at 92. All right. Uh, I think you're right. I should just take ConocoPhillips as my bet pick. Yeah. It's not going to be a, you know, a 30% runner, but at the same time. But I'm trying from here on out to pick stocks in a sector that is currently doing hot. And so anything in energy. Yeah. And especially looking at its chart, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I could just go XLE, but I like ConocoPhillips. I like where it's sitting right now. I like, I think I like it. Uh, so yeah, put a, what did I say my stop I wanted to be at? Probably 96 half and uh, probably take profit, we'll say at 110. I don't think we're going to hit either of those. Uh, full take profit? Yeah, I'll just do full. Full in, full out. Okay. All right. And then random, we've got, okay, New York Stock Exchange, transportation. We got uh, USPS. USPS. Okay. What do they do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can tell you right now, 
I am bullish on the USPS, Kyle. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, now DAC, uh, Danos Corporation, closely related to Theranos, maybe. Oh boy, random. You really picked a good one. <laughs> what, just Jessica's support looks like it's holding. Yeah, <laughs> really nice. Well, that might be on the underside of that support. It's hard to tell. That could be really good, or it could be really bad for random. A lot of volume that last hour on Thursday. They look like they're right at a key level. It looks like it's on the underside of it, though. This is they. Yeah, they are at a crucial level. If this level fails, then they're on a long way down. I'm looking at a range chart. This bull move started in March, March, June, 2020. So like, af they've just been bullish since the covid drop yeah this latest this the okay so this just printed a lower low for the first time in quite some time oh transportation marine shipping we were just talking about the bottle chain supply uh, ship from china oh, yeah they can't sell enough yeah <laughs> good oh boy good job random there may be hope though there may be hope that 89 if that 89 is actually acting as resistance now instead of support then yeah this could push it back down to that distribution of the 75s but uh if it uh, if it holds that uh, watch out that's a good stock i like this i think we just saw the top i do you think it's gonna fall i do i think uh i think marine shipping is about to we're having less than ever because they're not manufacturing stuff yeah but cargo space is so backed up right now that it may not matter for a long time at least for their earnings they're losing money while it's backed up but they're making shitloads. Look at their earnings support uh, reports. Okay. All right. Look at look at the last three of them. <laughs> you see how much it's grown. I'm betting Random's going to lose. <laughs> well, Random's not going to win anyway. Random's not going to catch you unless you do something ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think Merck is risky. Why don't you ever have your ugly as your bet pick? <laughs> Trade without a stop or something. Why can't you ever make that mistake? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, folks, there you have it. I'm uh, long MRK, Kyle's long COP, and Random's got DAC. We'll be back at you soon with uh, another guest episode and eventually the thrilling results of this week's bet. But for now, we got to close up shop. So you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Until next time, happy trades. Get the fuck out. Fuck out. No, I mean, goodbye. <laughs> God, gonna make my stepdad angry. Yeah, I know. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.